darkness and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. On the other side of the Jordan River in the Gilead land, they also came over. Even north of Galilee and Syria, it mentions here that these people came. Verse 1 of chapter 5, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Obviously, there's much to be said about this passage of Scripture. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. We're not able to exploit all these verses this morning and share with you every contrast and every message of every one. But we'd like to give an overview here and in particular go to one verse. That would be verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'd like to draw our attention this morning to this passage of Scripture and preach on this subject. Jesus feeds the hungry. Jesus feeds the hungry. Now, we just saw in chapter number 4 that he healed many types of people. He preached and he taught in the synagogues and gave the message of who he was to this lost and dying world. But he also speaks about feeding the hungry. Something has taken place from verse 23 of chapter 4 to verse number 12 of chapter number 5. A transition in the life of a man or woman by the cross of Christ has changed their life by giving them redemption. They understand they're poor in spirit, they need to be saved, and God saves them. After he saves them, he builds them up in the body of Christ, in the work of the Lord, to give out the gospel to other people, just like Jesus did. It's called discipleship. So I'd like to draw our attention to this thought, Jesus feeds the hungry. May God bless the reading of his word. I ask you to be seated this time. I'm not really familiar with a lot of the state of California, but I've grown to be familiar with the state of Oklahoma and being there the last 14 years, moving from Indiana where I was born and raised, pastored 22 years, of course, as a pastor and made our way to Oklahoma 14 years ago. And just south of the city of Norman, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma University is, there's a small town called Dibble, Oklahoma. There was a man that just retired recently from his job. As a matter of fact, back in 2007, he retired from his job and he decided he wanted to put back into the community a little bit of effort to try to help people. So he started a food pantry in his community there in Dibble, Oklahoma, population 898. And so Eddie Cantrell decided, I want to do what I can to help my community being born and raised in that area. He decided he wanted to put a shelter out that would help the people that did not have a lot of income, did not have a lot of food, and even the homeless, perhaps, in that small little town. 
You see, it doesn't matter the size of the town. The Bible says that the homeless people, the poor people will be with you always. And we know that Jesus was accurate on that. And we know that in the time of Oklahoma there, we have a small little town. So 11 years ago, he began to try to help those people. And he opened up, thought maybe he would maybe help 10 or 15 people. But every week, every week, he helps 150 seniors that are in his home, in his hometown. And you say, well, why does he do that? Well, many years ago, these seniors that are now older did not have a retirement program. They had no insurance at times and did not invest a lot in their retirement program. Social Security is now minimal because of the money that they made back in those days. And he's just trying to help them to get from one month to the next month by having a small food pantry and trying to help them. I was also able to talk to a man in charge of Hunger for America. And he was telling me that there are three million seniors, three million seniors. We're talking about older citizens now, not folks in high school like some of you over here. Three million seniors that are living on a wire right now. And I know that we it's hard for us to understand. And sometimes we can become very critical of people not having something, especially in a place like America that has been blessed by God. There's no doubt there's much prosperity around our world, even in our food that we eat and things like that. But in small towns and in large towns, there are people that still need the basic necessities of life and food to eat. Eddie Cantrell decided, I want to help feed the hungry in Dibble, Oklahoma. He said, I want to do my part. When they line up, there's nothing that I can do to really help them. I take what I have and I try to make it stretch. I can't turn them away. May I say that Eddie Cantrell is doing his part in a town of 898. We're doing our part, I believe, in Oklahoma City, trying to help the homeless and trying to help missions. And we have missions programs in that area, as well as 200 and some missionaries we support around the world right now, trying to reach about 55% of the people that need the gospel. We have a great opportunity to share the truth of God, and we're trying to reach out to other countries that need the gospel and even need food. I'd like to take us this morning to this portion of Scripture and say to you that Jesus said to us in the Beatitudes that he feeds the hungry. How can he feed the hungry? Well, he feeds the hungry with spiritual food that their life might be transformed by the grace of God. When the grace of God transforms their life, they're able to take that discipleship and that truth of God and help other people with the truth of the Lord. So as I think about this this morning, I want to draw our attention to this crowd once again that's gathered here. Now, when I first read this passage of Scripture back in uh, chapter number four, I started thinking about that activity and it said that Jesus gathered together with them. His fame went out all through Syria and they brought to him sick people that were taken with divers or various diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils, those that were lunatic and those that had palsy and he healed them. It didn't say he healed some of them, it said he healed them. Physically, the great physician was able to heal these people who had a physical longing and infirmity in their life. We know that Jesus took care of that. Verse 25, and they followed him, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee. That's where he'd set up his headquarters. They're on the sea, uh, Capernaum, they're on the Sea of Galilee. He had his headquarters set up there, and he started his Galilean ministry in that area. But fame went everywhere round about. Obviously, if you had someone in your family that was sick, physically infirm, they had heard that Jesus was a healer, and they could bring him to them, or bring that person to Jesus, and he would help take care of it. Later on, we're going to find there's a record of a miracle that Jesus performs in Bethsaida, which is right next to the Sea of Galilee, where he feeds 5,000 men at one time. 
He actually breaks bread and breaks fish and he feeds 5,000 men, not including the women and children at that time. It's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels, notwithstanding the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It was important that Jesus touched them physically because they were hungry that day. He had administered the truth to them, the, the message of God to them, and then he fed them at the same time. And he's trying to show us, I think, a good example of his concern for mankind. Then we get into verse 1 of chapter number 5, and it tells us here plainly that, And seeing the multitudes, a great group of people, he went up to a mountain when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So there's a great group here that have gathered together. And Jesus now is trying to train and trying to teach these men that want to learn about his ministry and about his life. So a disciple, basically, beloved, is a learner or one who follows a teaching. These disciples are gathered together and Jesus says that we're not to be simply students, but we're to adhere to the teaching and the learning that we're given. So Jesus is trying to help now these disciples, the 12 in particular, but there's a great multitude that's gathering here. Now, this setting is obviously here on a mountain. And we here on this mountain, Jesus has now brought his 12 disciples into him. But there's many people gathered there, but his 12 are the closest to him, and they're trying to learn from him what he has to say about the multitudes. You see, when he saw the multitudes, the Bible said, he was moved with compassion. He had concern for people. He, understand, he understood the importance in their lives. Now, this would have taken place, friends, in the early part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, right outside the Sea of Galilee. There were many spectators that were there because they had loved ones that needed a physical healing, as well as the disciples that are gathered there. There's the disciples and the multitudes. I want you to get the picture here. There was a great multitude of people, and many of them heard the message, but in particular, he was speaking to the twelve. He was letting them know what was going on. But at the end of the passage, it tells us that they all were marveled and they all were amazed and astonished at the words of Jesus and what he had said. So they understood the message that was given. In particular, though, he's talking to his disciples. And it said they were astonished at his doctrine when he finished. So when Jesus was speaking here, what was he talking about? He was talking about the blessed life. Let's look at it if we can here very quickly. Verse number two, it says, And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit does not mean what you think it means. Now, as a matter of fact, you might have been in church for a long period of time, and the pastor's taught you what it means, and it doesn't mean to be poor. It doesn't mean not having finances. It's talking about the idea of showing humility, having an inner joy and a happiness that's not affected by circumstances, but it's affected by Jesus Christ. We understand that we are bankrupt spiritually, we need help. There's nothing we can do to take us to heaven. We understand who we are in God. We need the help of God. We get saved by the grace of God. And so we mourn over our sin. We realize that through the meekness that we have to turn to God, we can mourn for our sin, cry out to God for mercy, and God will give us that mercy and grace that we need because we're pure in heart. We're desirous of wanting to know God and wanting to serve Him. And we're faithful to that work. He says, we need to be faithful to believe what God says and do what He wants us to do. So he gives a great big recipe here, if you could say, about the idea of how the blessed man could live and what the blessed man could do. In order to get to be a blessed man, though, you've got to be saved by the grace of God. You become a disciple of the Lord, and then you follow after him. And I want to focus in this morning on one particular verse, because I think it's vitally important to the ministry of not only Heritage Baptist Church, but every church in the world. Understanding that people need the Lord. Would you agree, church? People need the Lord. Someone took time to share Christ with you, 
May God help us to take time to share Christ with others. Being involved in the work of the Lord. Understanding that we need to have compassion on the things of Christ and on people. So my question would be, is it significant that Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, an appetite is a wonderful thing to have, especially when you're hungry. If you're hungry, you can have a great desire to have that appetite taken care of. We understand here that he's talking about that there ought to be a holy desire in the life of every believer, that we should have an indication that we're desirous of growing in the Lord, we're desirous of an appetite for God. It says, blessed, happy is the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Now, this is not just saying, I'm hungry. This, this verse actually means to hunger and thirst after something. That means that we have an intense desire, so desirous that we don't want to just eat a cracker. We want some sustenance. We want some real food, not just a reference to snack time, but a reference to a real meal being given. Understanding the thought here basically is that I am so hungry, I am almost starved. That's what the verse is showing us. He said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after right, you say, well, how do you know that, Brother Pearson? Because of the insatiable desire that even David said to us, he said, I want to be like the heart that panteth after the water brooks. So shall my heart pant after God. When that deer is on the run through the forest and it makes it way, makes its way to the water, you find out he's desirous, he's running fast, he's running from the enemy, and now he's there and he desires a drink. Not just a sip, but a drink. He desires to, to full, quench his thirst. God says, I want you to know that I'm able to help you. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, ye shall be filled. He's letting them know that as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, they should have an intense desire and understanding to hunger and thirst after the things of God. Just like Eddie Cantrell, he knew that there were people that were hungry and thirsty in Dibble, Oklahoma, a small little town. But as a retiree, he decided, I'm going to try to help them. I can't give them much, but I can give them something to eat. God says, I've got more than that. I've got more than physical sustenance. I've got more blessings for the world than they think that I have. I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all they ask or even think. I can give them the satisfaction of life. They should have an intense desire to honor God. We have too many people today, like the prodigal son, feeding on the husk of this world, starving, turning away from their father, doing their own thing, not realizing that God can change their life. There ought to be an indication in all of our lives, if we're saved by the grace of God, there ought to be an indication that you and I are saved. And we should have an insatiable desire, an intense desire to follow after God, follow after God to hunger and thirst. Those are feelings and those are emotions and those are things that go on that we know will never go away. They may go away one day, but they're back again. Had the great privilege to get picked up from the airport by Brother Daniel. And we stopped for lunch, had a wonderful meal, even had some left over. I just couldn't put it all in me. I wanted to, but I had to push it away. Was able to go out last night and spent some time with uh, some folks that from the church, I think it was David and Erica. We spent some time and uh, we went out to eat and, and it was wonderful. And, and they, they did something wrong. I saw the picture and I said, that'll be good right there. And what I got didn't look like the picture. It was really loaded down with a lot more, which is kind of amazing, really. But it was loaded down. I'm thinking, I just don't know if I can eat it all or not. And I was hungry when I went to eat. But now I'm hungry again. 
I don't mean to be rude. That's just part of our desire, isn't it? Part of our makeup. I'm going to be hungry again. You say, well, how hungry are you? I don't know, but we ought to have some kind of desire, right? How many of you are hungry for God's word today? Are you hungry for fellowship? Are you hungry to be in the house of God? Are you hungry to say, God, speak to me? I need your voice to speak to my heart. I want to learn from you. Do do we hunger and thirst after God this morning? Are we desirous of coming in and saying, God, feed me? God, I need your help. I need your encouragement. Hey, did you meet with him this morning in the word? Are you thankful for the word of God? And are you glad that you're here today? Did you, did you drink, did you drink deeply from the fountain of God's word this morning and say, God, I'm thirsty for righteousness. I'm thirsty for you. I have an intense desire, an insatiable desire every day to want to be like you, to tell people about you. I want to take your love into my life, into my heart. And I want to share with somebody else. You've been so good to me, God. You've been so gracious to me. And I want people to know about your goodness. Do we have an appetite for godly things? Are we desirous of serving him, following after him, honoring him? You know, in contrast, a sick person doesn't have an appetite for things. They have no desire for things of food. Spiritually speaking, sometimes we wane in our desire for God. We have no spiritual appetite for him. When we cease to pray, when we cease to obey God's voice, when we cease to serve or cease to witness and stop knocking on doors and stop passing out tracts and Stop doing what we know is right to do. Sometimes we get cold and apathetic and calloused. I'm not saying this church is that way. I just know human nature. If we don't have a desire to hunger and thirst after righteousness, then we're not going to be filled. We're not going to have that thing that God desires for our life. So there has to be some kind of significance of an indication of a holy desire. I want to have an indication of serving God. In that indication, I want to understand that I don't want to be enamored by pleasure or power or prestige or property or some fame or something of that sort. I want God to consume me. I want to be used of the Lord. Somebody took time to share the gospel with me. It's changed my life. May God help me to keep helping other people to be changed by the grace of God as well. The disciples. He was training the twelve. As he's training the twelve. They are the ones that God is going to use to go out and train more. John 17, you know his prayer. His prayer tells us that he prayed for his own. He prayed for the 12 that God gave him and one turned away, the son of perdition. He said, Father, I prayed for them and I'm praying for them also that will believe on me through their word. So he understood the disciples would tell other people and they would get saved as well. And even today, the Bible said Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. You see, I need to realize today that my responsibility is not just to be saved. It's to tell other people about the Savior. To be willing to have an insatiable desire, an intense desire to honor God and to serve Him. You say, well, what's that really mean? It says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. The aspiration for our lives ought to be a holy desire. The aspiration of God seeking after righteousness. Hey, friends, listen. I realized there was a time in my life when I was 17 years of age that that God spoke to my heart and I realized that I need to be saved by the grace of God. And that day, he imputed the righteousness of God to my account. I realized that there was no way I could go to heaven, but he who knew no sin, he took my sin upon himself and he went to the cross of Calvary and died on that cross for me because he loved me. And by the way, he loves you just as much. He gave himself, he gave himself for us that we might have eternal life in him. Peter says it like this, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin 
should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. It's God's son that took our punishment. It's God's son that took our place. I've been reckoned to my account the righteousness of God. I don't deserve heaven, but praise be to God, he offered it to me. And by the grace of God, I've accepted it. He said, my aspiration and desire ought to be justified in Jesus Christ and to serve him. Hey, you know, one day, one day I'm going to have glorification. I'm going to be in a place called heaven that's real. I'm looking forward to that day, friends. And at the same time I'm looking forward to it, I understand that I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to understand more by and by what God has done for me and what he's doing through me. And I'm going to be glorified one day. But until then, I've got work to do. I need to try to live a sanctified life for him. A life that is set apart for the master. A life that is set aside toward holiness and serving God and obeying God's voice, trying to honor the Lord. So my aspiration would be I want to make sure that morally I'm separate, that spiritually I'm right with God, that I can do my very best to try to serve my Lord and my Savior. And the way to do that is to take God's word and to hunger and thirst after God's word to give us the victory that we need. You see, I believe that sin is defiling. I believe that sin is disgusting. I believe that sin is disgraceful. It ought to be repudiated for a Christian. We need to understand as believers, when we disobey the word of God, we have sinned against our Savior. As, as believers today, when we sin against the things that we know are right to do, James 1.17, for him that knoweth to do good and to doeth it not, to him it is what? It's sin. So we disloyal in our acts away from God. Romans 14.23 he that eateth not is damned if he eat. It talks about your, your idea of your life. If you don't eat in faith, you're doubting. Don't doubt God's word. Don't doubt God's sacrifice. Believe what God says. He's talking about our faith in him. Sin is a doubtful act. Let's make sure we're having a secure act in God. So my moral transformation, my spiritual transformation is not because of what I have done, but because of what God's put within me. He's given me a, a desire, a desire to want to live for him. How about you? Has he given you a desire to live for him this morning? We should have that desire, should we not? And that desire ought to take us to a place of gratification. That gratification of knowing who God is and what God's capable of doing in our lives. Because blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it says, for they shall be filled. I told you I went out to eat yesterday afternoon. I got filled. Again, five hours later, went out to eat again and I got filled. Some of your cars, sometimes you need to take them to the gas station to fill them up. Amen. You take them to a propane place and you fill them up. Take them to the electrical stop and plug in the electricity. I think you know what I'm talking about here. It's a continual gratification of knowing it can be filled. Whenever you think about what he's talk talking about here, he's talking about the idea of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What it shows me, my friend, is that God is concerned about mankind. I want to have an indication in my life, an indication that I know who God is, and my aspiration would be that I want to seek after righteousness, and I want to be filled. I want God to help me. Don't you want God to make you usable for his service? Don't you want God to help you to be a strong witness for him, a good testimony for him? Don't we want God to help us in our service to him? I hope that we do. It brings satisfaction. Hey, when I, when I pushed away from the table with Brother Daniel there, he ordered that food for me from the Thai restaurant. It was excellent. It was fabulous. And I pushed away from that place and, man, I am satisfied. And then five hours later, I want to eat again. Anybody here ever guilty of that? Maybe not five hours. Maybe it's four, three, six, whatever. I don't know. We understand that. But I felt like at that time, I was so satisfied, Brother AJ, that I was full. 
I had the fullness and satisfaction. I was so full, I felt like everything was just wonderful. The reality was that I'm happy because I've been filled up. Let me ask you a question. Are you controlled by the Spirit of God? Are you fully controlled by Him? Do we have a desire to have be satisfied with the gratification that God can fill us up and use us for His service? It's amazing that God can use my pitiful preaching to change people's lives. What I mean by that is the Word of God will not return void, but He takes my personality, He takes my actions, everything that I can learn about Him and share about Him, and He uses it for His honor and for His glory. And He wants to use you. We need to be usable for Him. Blessed are they, happy are they that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness for then they shall be filled in totality. You can be filled, not just halfway. In totality, he wants to mature us. He wants to equip us. He wants to edify us. He wants to stabilize us till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are complete in him. We have everything we need in the person of Jesus Christ. We have eternity at our fingertips. Paul prays about the importance of eternity in Ephesians chapter number 3. When he talks about we're to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. There's a lot of things I don't know yet. I'm still working on it. And I'm trying to do my best to try to bring glory to God. But I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I want God to make me usable for Him. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. You believe that, church? The Holy Spirit indwells every believer, and He wants us to be controlled by Him. You know, uh, my wife and I have been blessed with kids and grandkids, 11 grandsons. And uh, we're just getting ready to celebrate. Our youngest grandson will turn three next week. Matter of fact, tomorrow he turns three. And we have these balloons sometimes we have at a party. And they they love the balloons. They love to take the balloons and... Uh, we have them aired up for the balloon, the little party and things like that. And they'll have a little balloon they'll try to blow up. And they love blowing it up and then letting it go. And try to watch where it lands. You know, the funny sounds and then they'll... Are your grandkids like mine? Sometimes adults are that way. But, but the funny part about it is they're like, they're like, look, Pappy. It can go a lot further when it has more stuff in it. When there's more air inside of it, it goes a lot further. And I thought, that's some deep theology right there now. Because <laughs> the fuller you are, the more usable we are. Being controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying God's like a bunch of hot air inside of us. I'm not saying that at all, right? I don't want to take the analogy too far here. But I think you understand we have that fullness that God gives to us. We see the practical satisfaction at work in our lives when God is giving us the fullness of gratification and then that freshness of gratification as well because what happens is we get filled up one day and we eat our physical food and we go back again the next day and eat our physical food and we need to do the same thing spiritually. Do not forget your spiritual food. Bring your Bible. Bring your appetite. Bring your smile. Come to the house of God. Learn about God. He said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the next thing you know, you're so excited about serving God, you can't help but tell somebody what God's done for you. D.L. Moody said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. If God's done something for you, don't be ashamed to say it to somebody else. Let them know about the wonderful grace of God, the joy of God in our heart, the freshness. Listen, I don't live on yesterday's meal today. I had breakfast this morning at the motel. And I'll probably eat again later today and tomorrow and the next day in the physical realm. 
How much more do we not need the spiritual? The treasure of God's Word. The gift of God He's given to us to satisfy the freshness. Listen, you can't live on your January 19 meeting of your 19th anniversary. Brother Olette was here again. Brother Copes was here. Preached, I believe, at the 19th anniversary celebration. Hey, listen, thank God for the great heritage you have here. But you can't live on yesterday's manna. Today's the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, church, God has something wonderful for you today. As a servant of God, He wants you to understand, I can give you fullness and freshness every day. The Holy Ghost of God is available to those that will come to Him. Let it be fresh with you. What has God done in your life this week? How has God answered your prayers? How fresh is the Word of God to you? Are you desirous of reading the Bible and knowing the Bible and memorizing the Bible and living the Bible out in your life? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled continually time and time again. We need to realize, oh, we need to realize our spiritual poverty, that we have no hope. We were without God in this world. But God says, I saved you. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 2. It says in verse 11, Wherefore, remember... That ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, that was called the circumcision of the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one Jew and Gentile. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man. And so making peace. You know what that means, my friend? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You need to realize you're a sinner. You need to realize that you can't get to heaven on your own. It's a real place for real people. But hell hath enlarged itself. Mankind is wanting to take over where Satan rules. There in that place. But yet God has victory and power accessible to us. We need to understand today that God wants us to realize you're in spiritual poverty. We need to be humble in the sight of God. Go to the cross at Calvary and realize that what Christ has done for you can change your life. Some of you have been saved by the grace of God. Has he changed you? Say amen. amen. If you're here today and you're not saved by the wonderful grace of God, we can take a Bible before you leave today and show you from the word of God how much God loves you, his great concern for you, and you can become part of the family of God this morning. Oh, it may not be a perfect life, but it'll be a changed life. And God's promised his presence every step of the way. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We'll have that freshness and that fullness of the things of God. How can we make it happen? We can't, my friend. We turn to God in meekness and in mourning. We receive the righteousness of God. And then we live righteously according to what God gives to us every day we possibly can. So there needs to be an indication. There needs to be a satisfaction. There needs to be a desire of gratification. Seeking after righteousness. Say, well, how do you do it? Well, tell him you need him. Very simple. Just tell him you need him. You see, if you request of the Lord to fill you, he will. Well, you say, how do you know that? Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? God says, my presence is there. I'm willing to help you. I'm a present help in time of need. Just come to me. 
It's a request of the Lord. Hey, listen, if you're not being used by God, if you're not on fire, if you're not hungering and thirsting after righteous, why not? We know where we are spiritually, do we not, church? We should respond appropriately. Say, well, how, do, how can you do it? Well, you request of the Lord to help you. And then you rely on him to do it. He's the one that changes our life. The word of God will not return void. Relying upon the Lord. Trust the Lord. He will fill you. Acts 5.32. And you are witness of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost. Whom God hath given unto them that obey him. God has given us his spirit to direct us. And the Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to the word of God. He wants us to be led by him and encouraging him. So what we need to do is respond to the voice of the Lord. Respond to the word of God. As I said before, Jesus feeds the hungry. He will spiritually fill you and help you if you will hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the desire here is not just a nibble every now and then. It's a real desire of hunger, a real desire of thirst, and it can be met in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And then you'll be able to seek after righteousness. And you will continually be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God as he helps you to honor him. So respond to the Lord by thanking him for what he's done for you. By thanking him with gratitude for how he saved you. By thanking him for the goodness he's bestowed upon you. And letting it know be known by through prayer and supplication with your thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Let him know about those things. You know, we can attend church... We can know verses, we can give offerings, we can pray prayers. But is there an indication in your life or in my life that we have an intense desire, a necessary, insatiable, constantly wanting more desire to have the aspiration of seeking after righteousness and wanting to follow after him? The true gratification is daily fullness and daily freshness that God can help us to know him. Sometimes in our lives... When God's speaking to us, it means sometimes he puts the squeeze on us. Sometimes he has to break us. Sometimes he has to mold us into what we need to be. He's the potter. We're the clay. It takes pressure and water. We are cleansed by the water of the word. God can help us to follow after him. Today, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Have you responded to God? Have you responded to the capability of knowing that you're a sinner? And you need a Savior. Have you given your heart to Christ? Have you responded to him, to God's word, and asked Christ to be your Savior? And if you have responded to him, are you continually responding to him when he speaks to us? Are we obeying the voice of God? Are, are we refreshing ourselves daily in the promises of the Lord? Are we reviving ourselves through the burden of seeing people saved? Are we concerned about a passion for praying for one another and praying for missions and getting involved? Are we walking with God the way we should? Are we being that servant of God we ought to be? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Listen, if we want to be, we can walk close to God. We have his word. We have the Holy Spirit in practical form. You have your church here to commune with God. You want a better marriage? Talk to God about it. You have issues at home that are problems that overwhelm you? Take it to the Lord. You want to do God's will? Step out by faith and respond to him. You want to grow spiritually? You have not because you ask not. We know what the word of God says to us. We need to make sure if we're going to change our behavior patterns that we follow after righteousness. Do what is right. Listen, I cannot take for granted that everybody here is walking right with God. So if you're not, you need to respond. You need to say, God, my appetite for spiritual things is not what it ought to be. 
Help me to hunger and thirst after righteousness because I want to be filled. I want to be usable for God. I want to be a disciple on fire for you. I want to be forgiven. I want to come back home again. God, I want to eat the bread of life. I want to drink from the fountain of the living water. I want you to help me. Maybe some of you today have been thankful for God's grace, but you haven't expressed your love to him recently. An unexpressed love to the Savior by not praying and thanking him for it. Or maybe you've not expressed that love to others with the gospel message. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin in your life today. You know what you ought to be doing. You know what's right to do. But you're not hungering after righteousness. You're hungering after your own desires, your own appetite. If there's something wrong, fix it. Maybe it's an unread Bible. If it's being unread, beloved, may God help us to have a desire to hunger and thirst after righteousness. To whom much is given, much is required. Maybe it's an unbowed knee because we haven't been praying the way we should for the cause of Christ. Praying for our pastor. Praying for the things of righteousness, the things of God. Honoring him. And maybe it's somebody you know that stopped coming to church but not attending church anymore. We need to get back on them, try to encourage them. And maybe it's just because we're just ungrateful for what God has done for us. Do you know those people that saw Eddie Cantrell open up that little shop? And they came and lined up. Fifteen people lined up the first day. Didn't have much. Didn't have much. But Eddie gave him what he had. And now there's 150 every month going to that little shop trying to get some help because they desperately need it. Friends, listen. The world desperately needs Jesus. We have the answer. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's not be ingrates. Let's not be people that say, I'm not concerned. Let's do our part to realize that if Jesus fed me, I can help feed others as a disciple of Christ. I'll do my best to share Christ with someone this week. If each one of us could just reach one this year, it would change Heritage Baptist Church. It would change this community. May God help us to do our part to be that servant we ought to be. Is there an intense desire? Are we concerned? Are we satisfied? Are we full? Are we fresh? Are we honoring God? We ought to be. And if you're unsaved and don't know Christ as Savior, we can take a Bible today. One of these staff members, one of the staff late, we'll take a Bible and show you that God concerns, is concerned not only for your physical needs, your financial needs, but most of all, your spiritual needs. You need Jesus. Respond to him. He can change your life. Jesus feeds the hungry. How's your appetite? Are we doing right? Are we honoring God? Maybe you're doing the best you possibly can. If you are, keep up the good work. Amen. Keep up the good work. But maybe we just need to bow a knee and say, God, thank you for the power. Thank you for the feasting on thy name. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for my pastor that preaches the truth and encourages me to be on the right path. Or whatever it might be, a heart of thankfulness, a knee of thankfulness, a knee of gratitude. Or maybe it's just something that you need to change. How's your appetite today? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Ye shall be filled. If you're not saved, desire him. Ye shall be filled. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, today we thank you so much for the privilege of being here this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to proclaim your word. I pray, Father, that you'll take the things that we've shared this morning and touch the hearts of the people that are gathered here. Lord, we know that there might be someone here today that does not know thee as Savior and the free pardon of sin. I pray, God, even now you'd arrest their attention. They'd realize their need for Christ and that, God, that they'd be saved this morning.
I pray, Father, you'll show them that you gave your best. You gave your only begotten Son that we might have eternal life in him. And, Father, I pray that they might recognize they're a sinner, that they might recognize they need to be saved, and that, God, they'd be saved today. And, Father, for the Christian, Lord, I pray we're not just going through the motions. I pray, God, you're helping us to have a heart and a desire to follow you. I pray, God, that you'll bless every person in this room this morning. You know their needs. You know their area of concern. You know what's going on in each and every life. Sometimes there's heartaches and hindrances that turn us away from what we need to do for Christ. Sometimes it takes time and sacrifice and commitment in other areas. But God, I pray you'll help us to look at our own life spiritually. And God, if we've not bowed the knee or not read the book or not passed out the gospel, Lord, I pray you'd forgive us. You'd help us, God, to get back where we need to be, to have that fullness and that freshness, to hunger and thirst after righteousness because we desperately want to be filled. Bless now, God, your church. Thank you for what you're doing. Pray you continue to help them to be faithful and strong for the cause of the Lord. But God, if you've spoken to a heart, I pray, God, that respond appropriately. Have your way in the invitation. May you be honored and glorified by all that's said and all that's done this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, if you would, please, as we have invitation hymn this morning. He's going to sing. You need to respond. There are people at the front here to meet you. Glad to pray with you. If you want to just pray on your own, feel free to do that. This is your time. Very serious-minded message. How's your appetite today? I pray it'll be what exactly you should be for Christ. As he sings, you come. If you're not saved, come and meet these men at the front. We'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Our most graciously, Father God, I thank you so much for, Lord, a very timely message, a very appropriate message. How is our appetite? Lord, you feed the hungry. And it's not that, Lord, you are not willing, nor is there no food or resources. But, Father, oftentimes it's that we as your people are not eating. Perhaps, Father God, it's indicative, as Brother Pearson had shown through your word this morning, Father God, a very convicting thought. Lord, how are we doing spiritually? But I pray, Father, perhaps maybe there's somebody here. And Lord, for them, perhaps there's not even a starting point. I pray, even as I pray at this very moment, that God, that you would convict them about their eternal destiny. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, you um, help these people. Lord, I know some, perhaps maybe there's somebody here that is battling with the issue of their sin. Lord, with the matter of their faith. And I pray that today, Father God, that they'll get this secured. I pray, Lord, for us, as we as your people, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, that, God, we would strive and continually, Father God, to seek after and to hunger after righteousness. Oh, Father, may we be a holy people. More than any skills or ambitions, may we be a godly people. That is the answer for our community and our world needs today. And I pray, Father God, also as we... Um, Lord, just have so much upon our heart and mind. I thank you so much for the update of our, from our pastor and brother Justin in the Philippines. I thank you so much, Lord, for the souls that have been saved. Lord, for the lives that have been surrendered to gospel ministry. And Lord, to God be the glory for that. I thank you so much, Lord, for every individual that's present here this morning for our services. Would you bring us back, Lord, um, tonight as we uh, have the privilege once again, Lord, to hear from your preacher. I thank you so much for Brother Pearson, Lord, also just availing himself, not only to, um, Lord, to be here, but to prepare himself, Father God, as well, Lord, is to extol your message this morning. Well, thank you so much, Lord, for these things. We ask Christ's name. Amen.